India has been a secular nation for ten thousand years. This is the only really secular culture on the planet. India without any conquests, we've been thriving for thousands of years. Let us not start another fight, another war in the name of climate change. You must ride with me, Eric. Namaskaram, Sadhguru. Namaskaram, Eric. Wonderful talking to you this morning. <laughs> It's so great to have you with us in the modern India, the modern India here in Oslo. We are very looking forward to having your perspectives on key issues in India uh, of today. I don't know really how to describe you. You are a man with a great passion for people and planet. You are a yogi. You are a mystic. You are a spiritual leader. You have millions upon millions of followers and thousands upon thousands of volunteers uh, working with you. Extremely important campaigns like Rally for Rivers um, uh, to, to help the li living rivers of India really, really uh, improve in the 21st uh, century. You're also declared as one of the 50 most important leaders uh, of India uh, of modern, 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 modern times. Uh, we are eager to discuss three main issues with you. Your living soil campaign, which is just embarked. Um, your thoughts about the great discussion which is happening in India these days about the soul of the nation, um, the religious background for India. And thirdly, really the very simple question, why is India so important for the 21st century? But let's start with living soil. In, in a very few days, you will uh, embark upon a campaign by motorbike from London to Delhi, and your aim is really, really ambitious. You want 3.5 billion people. No, that's not very ambitious, That's not very <laughs> ambitious. It's less than half the population. True. Why, why, why is <laughs> living soil so important? Please tell us. Why is uh, soil so important? Because uh, who we are is made of soil. Every life that you see around you, plant, tree, uh, insect, bird, one, uh, animal, whatever, every life that you see around you, the source of that is soil. How can soil not be important? Whether we live or die, it's the soil that we come from, that's the soil that we go back to. Why… why is it that we have neglected it for so long? And particularly in the last fifty to hundred years, how uh, we have treated soil as if it is a material that we can use. This attitude has come to us because of keyhole, uh, what to say, keyhole scientific research going on. Somebody finds out, okay, this nitrogen is missing here. Somebody says this is… phosphorus is missing there, this, that, that. If you put all these chemicals, you won't get soil. It is just like… Uh, there is a, you know, a biochemistry to us. If you put all the chemicals in a drum, we won't produce an Eric or a Sadhguru, all right? It's not going to happen. Just like that, we are not going to make soil because soil is a living entity. In a handful of soil, there is more orga… there are more organisms than all the human beings that ever existed on this planet. Not today, forever. So, that is how alive it is. If you walk into a rainforest, the soil organic content could be anywhere around seventy to seventy-five percent. 
this is a fantastic soil, anything can sprout out of that. Well, in normal agricultural soils, we expect at least three to six percent of organic content. But today, in southern Europe, most of the lands are just above one percent. That means in a temperate climate, if it falls below one percent organic content, that is called desertification. I'm saying a whole southern part of Europe is on the verge of desertification. In India, sixty-two percent of the soil, agricultural soil, has less than zero.5 percent organic content. This is just on the verge of desertification. In Africa, the desertification is spreading, you know, you just don't even have to look at any scientific data, just look at the Google map fifteen years ago and now, you will see how the desert is spreading in Africa. So, it's happening everywhere and United States is a massive problem, more than fifty percent of the topsoils have disappeared in the last hundred years. So, all this is happening and uh, my question is, why is it that nobody ha is talking about soil? When we talk about climate change, when we talk about uh, global warming, there is no way you can talk about these things without referring to uh, soil or soil degradation. But unfortunately, there is no such focus simply because activism is driven towards or anti-certain industries. Well, it is about carbon fuels. I'm not saying that is not important, that is also important, but Soil is the most important thing and it is the easiest things to turn around, for which we have a solution. Where we have a solution, should we go first? Or where we are yet to develop technologies for solution, you should go there. So right now, we still don't have solutions as to how to generate energy in the world without burning fuels, all right, carbon fuels. Well, people may say there is solar, there is wind, yes, all this is there, but right now it is not even producing two percent of our requirement. Yes, we need to move in that direction, definitely that is a direction to go, but that solution is still far away. But soil is not like that. Right now, if you plow the soils, leave open soils, it is generating billions of tons of carbon dioxide. The same thing it's if, if it is in the shade and if carbon sequestering is happening because photosynthesis is on in a big way on the planet, then this can be turned around in just a matter of eight to ten years' time. So instead of attending to this, we are attending to everything else, because people think any cause means we have to fight with somebody. What we need is not a fight. People say war on uh, climate change. Please don't start another, another war. There have been enough wars for so many reasons. Everybody, whoever fought the war, always they, they, they thought they had a good enough reason to fight the war, always. Otherwise, why would anybody risk their lives? War means you're risking your life. Why would any man or woman risk their life if they did not think it's worthwhile? So you may look at… you may look at it from outside and say, this is a stupid reason for war, but those people believed it's worth dying for, all right? So let us not start another fight, another war in the name of climate change. Even if your tempers rise, you know, the uh, climate will get warmer. We must know that <laughs> it's not just fossil fuel, not just war. If all of us get into a, a high temper state, climate change will happen, <laughs> global warming will happen, at least it will happening within us. So it's very important we approach this as a generation of people. This is a generational responsibility. If we want to turn this around, forty percent of the climate change 
and what is needed for sequestering all the carbon that we have emitted in the last fifty years can be done in the next twelve to fifteen years' time, if only we attend to the soil properly, if we make the soil very rich. The right now the big problem is either the soil is paved with concrete or it is ploughed. Both these things harm us, but pavements are much less of a problem because of not the whole world is not uh, paved, but nearly seventy percent of the world's land is ploughed. So, ploughing is the biggest thing and lack of green cover on it. If people don't understand what I am saying, simplest thing is just this. You come here in Tamil Nadu in Sadra in the tropical climate, stand there in the sun for one hour, just go under the tree, you will know what is climate change. This is what every mm. organism is complaining. Every organism needs that shade, that green shade, where photosynthesis is happening on a large scale. Without that green shade, there is no question of uh, reviving the soil, there is no question of turning back the climate change either, because if you convert all the vehicles, all the automobiles, they are saying if you convert them into electric automobiles tomorrow morning, only six percent difference it will make. That too for urban populations, not really across the world. So I'm saying the main issue is agriculture and it is also our food cycle when every responsible scientist in the world is clearly saying by 2045, we will be producing forty percent less food and our populations will be 9.2 billion. Well, that's not a world we want to live in. That's not a world where we want to leave our children. This is a terrible world that we are envisioning for ourselves and we are creating, but this can be turned around. This is why the Save Soil movement that if governments take this policy, that every farmer who owns, anybody who wants to own land must ensure there is three to six percent of organic content. This is not just about us because we are not using our soil. We are already using the soil of the unborn child. It's our responsibility for future generations that we leave a living soil. Soil is not our property, it is the legacy that we have received and we must pass it on that way. No, you are so right to drag people's attention to soil and to agriculture because that's really been underestimated in, in the climate campaign, the important importance of this. And I know you will not try to bring people's attention to this by boring them or by a number of PowerPoints. Uh, but you will launch a really big global campaign, making people enthusiastic and interested in this important topic. You must so thank ride you. With me. You must ride with me, Eric. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I will be happy to come with you at some point for sure. But tell us also about. I mean, there, as seen from outside, there is a very important big debate going on in India. It's not, not that different from debates in America or, or Europe or any other place about what's the soul of the nation. But some people say India is at heart a secular nation. It's been so for the last 70 years. Others say India is at heart a Hindu nation, has been so for thousands of years. And there are any number of positions in between. How how do you see this debate going on and what, what's your position as to, let's put it, what, what's the soul of India? India is not a secular nation for seventy years alone. India has been a secular nation for ten thousand years because this is a country where there is no absolute dogmatic belief system. There is no absolutism. It is always about seeking. This is a land of seekers. A seeking means you have clearly seen 
that much of what this creation is, you do not know. So you are still a seeker. So when you are a seeker of truth, there is no absolutism. When there is no absolutism, there is no such thing as dogmatic religious belief, because there is no one book or one messiah or one god telling us anything, because this is a culture where everybody has to seek their liberation, everybody has to seek their truth within themselves. So when this is the culture, this is the only really secular culture on the planet, if you ask me, because this is not for seventy years since we got the republic, well before the culture has always been a secular process, and this needs to happen to the entire world. This sense of absolutism that my way is the only way, anything other than that must be, you know, taken out of this planet kind of attitude has to go. This is not a time when humanity has come to this place in twentieth century with enormous power at the fingertips of each citizen right now. What ten thousand men could not do, one man can do today in twenty-first century. What ten thousand men could not do a thousand years ago, today one man can do. When that kind of power is established in a human being, it's very, very important that there is... secular is not an idea. Secular means that you have not fixed walls as to what is right and wrong. There is no sense of absolutism. India is the epitome of that culture, that here there is nothing absolute. It doesn't matter what it is, everything can be questioned because it is a land of seekers. We must convert the whole world into a world of seekers. If everybody is seeking, that means we know that we do not know everything in the universe. If we realize we do not know, there is humility in you, you will walk gently upon the planet. This rough-stored walking upon the planet is because of strong belief systems. We don't need belief systems, we need clarity, because belief systems give you confidence without clarity. Confidence without clarity is a disastrous process. And right now, to be in this state of seeking means you will be little hesitant. This is a very, very important condition for a human being. When you do not know what you're doing, you must be hesitant. Right now, our way of... just look at the... whatever the ecological situation itself is a proof for this. Everything that we can do, we become super confident and do it for fifty years and then realize that we've been doing a total blunder and now we say the reverse and say, do this, everything will be okay. There is no absolutism about life because you cannot even understand or grasp a handful of soil, forget about the cosmos. I'm saying right now of all the microbial life that we have, the science, the modern science hardly knows one percent of them. With one percent, what conclusions are you making? It's very important, when you don't know a handful of soil, how can you know the universe and the cosmos? It's a joke, all right? So it's very, very important, we understand, we do not know. If we see we do not know, we will naturally become seekers, we will walk gently upon this planet. The strong belief systems of this is the way is very, very damaging. Whether it comes from religion or science or philosophy, this is the way, is not the way. There could be many ways, all of us are always looking at it to bring more clarity to ourselves rather than building bullish confidence about everything. This, this is so, so beautiful and I'm sure this is what many people will take away from this meeting today. Let's forget about absolutism. 
and let's create a world of seekers. If we are all seekers, uh, we create a much, much better. A world full of seekers will allow the world, every human being and every life on this planet to live better. Absolutely. And finally, you, of course, you're speaking to an audience of the converted because people are in this room, because they believe in that is important and they believe in the relationship between India and Europe. But hammer it in. Why, why, why is India so important for the world in the 21st century? Uh, why is India important? Because if you look back just 230, 240 years ago or let's say 250 years ago, India was the most dominant business force in the world, but never went out to conquer another land. This is very important. We traded phenomenally strongly with uh, Southeast Asia, with China, with Arabia, with Europe. At one time, probably sixty to seventy percent of the clothing that the Europeans wear, wore came from India. Thirty-three percent of the world's export happened from India. So it's always been a manufacturing and trading nation, but never interested in conquest. For eight, ten thousand years, we trade with the same country, but we never think of conquering them because we are always… because we are seekers, we are always awestruck with somebody else's differences. We are never thinking somebody is different from us means we are, you must kill them. We are always very excited about differences. So if you drive in India every fifty kilometers, you will see we look different, we talk different, we eat different, everything is different about us. Every village has a different god <laughs> all right so, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, this diversity is… and this diversity existing together for thousands of years without much conflict is a very important quality that the world has to nurture. And as a business, business does not mean conquest. Business means to serve as many people as you can. This has to come into our cultures. A time has come when many businesses are larger than nations in the world. When such a power and such a capability has come, it becomes extremely important with what kind of inclusive consciousness are you running the business. You know, uh, first time when I came to the World Economic Forum, some of the people were resentful. They asked, uh, what are you doing here? Why is a mystic in an economic uh, fo forum like this? I said, see, whether you're manufacturing a safety pin or a computer or a spacecraft, there's only one business, that is the business of human well-being. And that's my business too. That's the only business that's there, the well-being of life. What other business do you have? There is simply no other business. Unfortunately, businesses have gone off rails because they have forgotten why they started these businesses. All these businesses are essentially to service the humanity, let's maintain that. And that is the ethos of India and it's very important that ethos spreads everywhere. And being the largest democracy in the world, where India is not driven by any one government or one ideology or something, it is a billion people driving the economy. It's very different from any other country that you see. If you take away the conquests that other nations have made, major wars that they have started and uh, the imperialism that you saw in the last two, three centuries, if you take away that, most nations would be failure. But India without any conquests, without ever wanting to take anybody's land, we've been thriving for thousands of years, that ethos has to come into the rest of the world. It is not necessary for me to do well 
I don't have to come and capture you, it is not necessary to do that. This must come, this is the ethos of India, this has to become the ethos of the world. Thank you <clears throat> so much, uh, Sadhguru. We wish you well with the very important um, soil campaign, Living Soil. You tell us if we can support the campaign in any way, and we will go back and see if we can help you creating a civilizational seekers. That will be a much, much better world if we are all seekers. So, thank you so much. Uh, Jai Hind. Thank you very much. Namaskar. <laughs>